Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022, one week after the midterms. And of course, we're still waiting on several house races to figure out who is in control of the house and by how much. Right now, however, it's looking very, very clear that House Republicans will be in charge. Uh, right now, if you take a look at the New York Times this morning, they put up a, a new tracker and you can follow the races that haven't been called yet. Uh, it very much looks like the House Republicans are going to score 220 or 221 House seats. That would leave um, Democrats with 214 or 215. That's slightly narrower than the um, the majority that House Democrats have at the moment. and uh, But still, it changes uh, control of the House to Republicans. If you take a look at this, I think 221 is more likely. And of course, the difference between 221 and 220 is uh, just basically that you can make a whole lot of really great jokes from Mr. Mom. 220, 221, whatever it takes. I've been making that joke for the last few days. And uh, frankly, I'm not unhappy uh, about winning a narrow majority in the House of Representatives because it beats not winning the majority at all, which is what happened in the Senate. Uh, we still could get to 50-50. Dwayne Patterson had a very good piece on Monday as to why the uh, Georgia runoff is still uh, important uh, and why it matters and why people should be fully engaged in the Georgia runoff. Uh, they're not. Republicans aren't. Um, and in a number of ways, they're not. And this is a going to be a big problem if they don't get their act together pretty quick. But uh, Dwayne's piece is in the VIP column. You should definitely read that. Um you know, the, the news today so far, no new races have been called. We got all the way to 217 yesterday in terms of called house races. And again, we're just waiting for uh, the, the rest of the um, the handful that's left to be called, mostly out of California. Um, so the news today is mainly regarding um, uh, Russia. There's uh, very important updates in Russia. And then there's a silly CNN take that... Um, <laughs> Supposedly, the Russian decision to withdraw from Kherson was delayed so that it wouldn't help Joe Biden and Democrats in the midterms. I, I mean, I can't think of any more uh, America-centric, uh, blind uh, nonsense than framing the Russian humiliation in Kherson as somehow managed to uh, damage Democrats. I mean, this is insane. Yes, Russians try to interfere in American elections. They've been doing it since they were called Soviets. Uh, yes, China does the same thing. They've been doing it since they were pouring money into the Democrat coffers in 1996 uh, through Al Gore and uh, Bill Clinton's re-election campaign. Iran tries to do it too, usually just mainly through hacking. And other countries, you know, play around with it as well. We play around in other people's elections for that matter, too. Doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it. But it's mostly merry pranksterism. I mean, this the, the hysteria that has gone on over the last six years over stuff that Russia routinely does, puts out stupid memory, tries to tweak the 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 very far fringes of both the right and the left in order to support it, um, is... I mean, the, the hysteria is nonsense. And the idea that they're going to, that, that just because some Russian propagandists are talking about uh, the timing of this and, and, and how it would impact American elections doesn't mean that that's what was going on. <laughs> what was going on is the Russians were getting their ass kicked and they had their best units in Kherson 
and they were about to get them destroyed. And so rather than wait around for the route to begin, which is what they did in Kharkiv, and ended up getting a good portion of their army destroyed, they decided to finally withdraw an order out of Kherson in order to in order to save those units and in order to keep the route from um, spreading across uh, the Dnipro River. And this is a this is an abject humiliation. Vladimir Zelensky showing up in Kherson and touring the place out in the open without being in danger of any sort of Russian reprisal was an abject humiliation. And all you need to do is follow um, ISW at understandingmore.com uh, in order to uh, get a sense of how that was received by Vladimir Putin's ultra-nationalist support base. It was not received well, and they are in open revolt right now against the Putin regime. They're they're not trying to they're not trying to finesse well, they're trying to finesse finesse the Kherson um, collapse. Um, but they're not doing it in order to claim that they're doing some sort of master stroke in American elections. That's the farthest thing from the Russian mill bloggers minds at the moment is who won the midterms. It's just an, it's, it's an absurd construct and CNN should know better than to just blindly regurgitate um, this type of nonsense from Intel sources. And you have to wonder, are the Intel sources, is the Intel community, or at least the leakers in the Intel community playing politics? playing domestic politics. Are they interfering in elections or at least in American politics? At any rate, so I had a, I had a lengthy post on that. I've got another lengthy post about Donald Trump. He's going to be apparently announcing his 2024 run tonight from Mar-a-Lago. And the Wall Street Journal has, Wall Street Journal editorial board put together a, um, uh, a piece urging Republicans not to give Democrats what they want most, which is Donald Trump at the top of the Republican ticket in 2024. Um, and they went into some of the arguments that I would use to say that Republicans really need to rethink that, um, including, and I didn't mention it in the piece, in my post, including the fact that he's only eligible for one more term in office, which means that you're going to have trouble, A, filling an administration, even if you win, you're going to have trouble filling an administration. You become a lame duck right off the bat. And really, you're just running on the basis of what took place four years ago rather than what's going to take place over the next four years. Um, so I think there's all sorts of different things about that that we can look at. The Wall Street Journal piece is a pretty good springboard. But I think we have to also note that there are still quite a few Republicans who want Donald Trump to run as well. Political Morning Consult has a new poll out today. We've seen polling from the Club for Growth, from the Texas Republican Party, which suggests that Ron DeSantis is um, is firmly in the lead in terms of Republican voters. But the Political Morning Consult poll shows just the opposite. Donald Trump is still the leading candidate among Republican voters. Ron DeSantis is gaining ground, but he's still double digits back. You know, these are the types of things that you would settle in a primary, which... <laughs> Thankfully, we're just about to have, and uh, I, I'm not necessarily uh, all that afraid to have a primary on this basis. What I would like to see, though, is some focus and discipline among Republican leaders, especially those who have presidential ambitions, to maybe think through the wisdom of all jumping into a race here and making this another 2015, if they're really concerned about Donald Trump leading the, um, leading the party. I think that they really need to coalesce behind either one or two different candidates um, and offer offer voters a, a clear choice. Do you want Trump or do you want some other type of leadership and see how that works out? I think if you do that, 
uh, rather than trying to do some sort of weird, you know, um, uh, I don't know, some sort of weird intervention that prevents Trump from even competing for the nomination, then you have complete legitimacy as to what ends up on the other end. Adam and I talked about that, Adam Baldwin, my friend Adam Baldwin and I talked about that in the Amiable Skeptics episode, which aired yesterday and which you can still get. Uh, that is VIP content, so you do have to be a VIP member to get it. Uh, there's other uh, news that's coming out today, of course. Um, apparently there was an odd... <laughs> There's an odd effort to woo Henry Cuellar across the aisle in the House uh, to become a Republican. I have an analysis of that. It makes more sense for Cuellar than it does for House Republicans. And for some reason, Cuellar didn't take the bait. Uh, I'm still trying to process that. I'm writing it as as I'm doing this update. So uh, enjoy that when it appears. I'm going to enjoy it when I finally finished it. Uh, but I still haven't quite figured out. What was going on there? Because it looks like Republicans are going to get a majority regardless of whether Cuellar crosses the aisle or not. But it does sort of underscore my point about Joe Manchin and what happens if Herschel Walker wins that runoff in Georgia, which is that Joe Manchin suddenly becomes in play again for a another two-year effort to get him to cross the aisle. Um, so keep an eye on that. Lots of other great stuff at Hot Air today. And just to give you an idea, we've got um, a um, a piece on mask mandates coming back from David Strom. Uh, good stuff there. You've got uh, Governor Kemp is going to testify before the Fulton County Grand Jury over the 2020 election. That's the, you know, he's, he's going to probably give some background as to what um, the Trump campaign was doing in Georgia. I have a piece up on um, the producer price index. I, I realize that outside the context of an election is probably more data geekery and maybe people just aren't really into it uh, outside the context of an election. I think it's still important to follow that though. So that we have credibility when we try to cover it in the context of elections, in the context of, of uh, presidential approval ratings and, and that sort of thing. PPI went down a bit, um, but the price on goods went up for the first, significantly up for the first time in about four months. And, um, and where it went up, I think, was uh, even more important. Consumers are not going to see any relief. Um, and I think that the rally that surrounded this is more for technical reasons than anything else. Uh, you can expect to hear some bragging from the from the White House. Uh, a PPI of 8% is not a good number. <laughs> it is still better than 8.4%, which is what it was in September. But 8.0% is not a good number. And goods going up 0.6% in a month is not a good number. Uh, the fundamentals are still here for a sustained inflationary wave. Um, and it doesn't look like the Federal Reserve is denting it too much. I think those are the takeaways from today's PPI report. So those are the big stories today. We're going to have plenty more coming up as I as I record this. Of course, we don't know what's coming up in the afternoon. We don't know what's going to happen. But hot air will be there. And you can be sure to uh, catch the coverage there in our blog post and in our headline marquee. So hope, hopefully you're reading both. And if you're VIP and VIP Gold members, you're commenting on both. I'll have more on that at the end of the podcast. For now, stay tuned for Andrew Malcolm as we review what happened in the midterms. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. 2022 beware the ides of um november well maybe not okay <laughs> but as always on tuesdays 
whether it's the Ides or not, uh, we have the Prince of Twitter, the Regent of RedState.com, Andrew Malcolm at AH Malcolm on the Twitters is back with us after a hiatus. Uh, yeah. you were on you're on vacation. You're recharging the batteries, and uh, I was, I was, I was in uh, in Florida, which was hotter than heck, but. Uh, we were visiting our son in the Air Force, so that was great. That's nice. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know if you knew this at the time, but Republicans apparently needed a jump start. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they said at Red State, they said, "Oh, you're you're off. You're gonna you're gonna miss election night." And I said, "Yeah, not an accident." <laughs> what a shame! What a shame! Uh, I've, done a, I've, done a, I've done a few of them since 1967. Uh, yeah, well, well this yeah, is more like election week, right? I mean, it's not even election yeah. night anymore. It's election week. Yeah. They're still yeah. settling out some of these some of these House races. And it looks like the Republicans are going to wind up with a very slim majority, but nothing like every, what everybody expects. Certainly no, nothing like what I expected looking at the you know, economic and political environment. And you asked this question in your in the clear column at red state this week yeah. everybody gets a chance to read this what the hell happened <laughs> what the hell yeah really it it i you know i i don't want to say i told you so because i didn't but i had an inkling that things were not as good i happened to work in the 98 cycle for the rnc in washington and uh there were bad vibes there and this was the same thing where everything looked good except everything looked even better now all of the inklings um and you know the pattern held true just not on the scale that if you're if the president is under 50 percent approval in the spring he's going to lose he just didn't lose by as much as we thought given all the problems so now he's biden is enjoying uh a, an endless series of victory laps i think because he doesn't remember he's already done it well, I don't know that victory lap is really appropriate anyway. No, it's not appropriate. Nothing is appropriate with him, but he's doing it anyway. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody really won anything, right? I mean, Democrats right now are back to 50 seats in the Senate. Now, we still have a Georgia runoff, so it's potentially they could get to 51. But, you know, there were five Repu Republican retirements this, this, this cycle, and they didn't get they got one of them and that was it. The Pennsylvania one when Republicans nominated Mehmet Oz uh, to go up against John Fetterman and um, the other four, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't even come close. I guess they came close. Uh, well, it wasn't a retirement. Wisconsin wasn't a retirement. They, they come close in, in uh, Wisconsin, but in Missouri, North Carolina, I mean, these were retirements and North Carolina was, uh, you know, at least arguably competitive and they didn't, they didn't flip that seat. Jerry Beasley, um, uh, lost to Ted Budd. And um, I mean, I'm looking at that and saying, you know, Democrats had, I think, a nine seat advantage coming into this election in the Senate um, or eight seat advantage. Um, and under those circumstances, you'd expect Democrats to do a little bit better than, you know, yeah. zero change, which is what may end up happening if Republicans win the uh, runoff you may end up back to 50 50 which is where where it started on the other hand <laughs> on the other hand republicans have nothing to uh to cheer about either except for the fact that they may have marginally won control of the house which is actually a big deal i mean that's actually a big deal yeah. now they can block 
Joe Biden from from doing things. But I think that the expectation here, and I think it's a rational expectation, is that they should have done a hell of a lot better than they did. Yes, they should have. They should have done a lot better. And they, uh, they didn't. And there'll be a lot of recriminations because everybody's angry and nobody wants to point the finger at themselves. Um, but, you know, I think American voters, they don't they're not as conscientious as I would prefer. Uh, and they're not as consistent. But at this time, and I, I got no evidence to prove it, but I have a feeling that they're tired of this ultra-partisanship. And instead of giving one side everything, uh, even in 2000, you know, they gave, they gave the Democrats control in Washington, but it was very, very tight. And this time, they took away the House, it looks like, uh, and it's still very, very tight because I think an awful lot of people just don't trust Washington. Well, yeah, I, I don't think they trust either party either. And I think that was that's I what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that factors into this. I don't think that they were necessarily enthused about thundering to the polls and and supporting Republicans, because I don't think Republicans gave them a lot to support. I mean, there's and you're right, there's going to be finger pointing going on you know, all over the place. We're going to do a little bit of it right here too. I mean, because we're going to talk about what we think were the issues going into this and why the red wave showed up in a few places, right? I mean, the red wave showed up in full in Florida, right? Florida oh, yeah. was awash in red. And I, I know what the reason for that is. The reason for that is Andrew Malcolm was on vacation that week. And that's, that's right. I was there encouraging all the voters, but you know, it's like um, field of <laughs> dreams uh between rubio and uh um desantis uh, yeah and desantis uh and rick scott if you build it they will come and they have over recent years given florida not an income tax but they've given them pretty good government uh, and conservative government, and a lot of people have moved to Florida from places like New York and California, and uh, they, they've been turning it redder. Uh, and so if you build it, they will come. And so, I mean, it's good for DeSantis if he's got the ambition to, to go on upward, but uh, it's a kind of a model for what you can do. Well, look, I mean, I think that part of DeSantis's appeal, and I, I wrote this uh, by the time this that actually comes up, it will have been up um, as our as my late night Monday or mid mid evening Monday post. And it's fairly lengthy. And I think that you take a look at Ron DeSantis, and I think that there's been a little bit of uh, maybe irrational exuberance around Ron DeSantis, or maybe a better way of putting this is not learning the right lesson from Ron DeSantis. And I think people are are looking at Ron DeSantis first off as you know the the kind of the kind of guy who can close the sale, which I think is fair. But I think that they're thinking that they closed the sale in the campaign, and that's not right. And unless you figure this out, you're never going to get the right lesson out of this. The the lesson for this is that. Ron DeSantis spent four years putting together a ground game and not necessarily a, a campaign ground game. He governed well. He made good decisions. That's right. You know, he he um, 
he uh, embraced the idea of expanding voting registration by encouraging voting registration first off, but also didn't shy away from early voting, didn't shy away from mail-in voting. He just made it more secure. And um, But he, he and the Florida Republicans uh, worked on that issue and, and made sure that they were competing in that. And then you know, that's the reason why he can say at the end of this, you know, Florida is where woke goes to die because, yeah, the last year he's been fighting battles about the, you know, um, education establishment and the radical, you know, uh, trans agenda and all that. But he could only do that because he, A, got the pandemic right and built himself yes. up an enormous amount of credibility and B, governed well prior to that so that people um, knew that he wasn't just um just shooting his mouth off he was actually right. he had actually built enough uh, governing credibility to make that work and and this is the shortcut that i think that a lot of people are are seeing in ron DeSantis that just doesn't exist you can't get there uh without doing that kind of hard work without without exactly. spending time getting legitimate credibility on these things andrew exactly exactly it's what i meant by if you build it they will come he yep. delivered for four years uh and importantly uh, and i say this as a former state communications director for a governor um he made sure the people saw it you know he was all over the place uh in the on the media at storms and problems and good things and bad things and announcing things and standing up against the woke forces uh so there was it was not just a three or four month campaign where you try to convince people to vote for you and they go, well, I don't know. It was four years of showing people what you can do and how you do it. And they liked it. And so in effect, his victory became embedded, you know, uh, that that he he was delivering all along. People got the message over time, not on any one day. Um, and when election time came, um, he didn't have to act silly and get angry and and uh, like some other candidates do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's not the only one, too. I'm not doing I'm not talking about this in terms of a, you know, let's let's, you know, let's carry Ron DeSantis to the presidential nomination by acclamation sort of thing. There's going to be a primary and there should be a primary and we should get a sense of how everybody's going to compete. I mean, you can make the same argument about Glenn Youngkin so far, at least yeah. in, in a, in a 2023 ish um, uh, primary season, he'll have been in office. Well, you know, a year and a half, at least at that point in time, we'll get a pretty good sense of how he's governing right now. He's governing pretty well. He's popular. He's, he's getting things done and he's moving things in the right direction maybe qu more quietly than Ron DeSantis, but certainly just as effectively. But Andrew, I mean, I want to make it clear because I, I try to make this clear at the end of my post too. I'm not talking about the presidential nomination so much. I'm no, no, about, no. I'm talking about who people are going to nominate for the Senate and House races in 2024, because it's very important in 2024 that we get that right, because Republicans have I think it's a nine seat advantage or no, I, th I think it's actually a 13 seat advantage, a 13 seat advantage going into uh, the 2024 cycle. They only are defending 10 seats in that cycle. 
Democrats are defending 21 plus the two independent seats that Bernie Sanders and Angus King have. So it's 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 23 to 10, right? Yeah. That means Republicans should be able to convert at least half a dozen of those seats, but they're not going to do it unless they learn lessons about candidate quality and credibility. And I think this is really where it fell apart for them uh, to some extent in this cycle. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I think a lot of people really liked what Trump did in office. I did. I thought he did a lot of really good conservative stuff in the court and crushing ISIS and uh, building up the sure. military again and and America first and get developing energy independence and so on. I thought that was really good. And this is the stuff I mentioned in that open column. Um, but he 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 had extracurricular activities that that over time people came not to like. And these last two years, when he's been absent, he's not been able to do any deliveries of good, strong conservative policies. And all we've seen is the antics that have come to be familiar with him. And um, the lesson I think that DeSantis learned was that you can be conservative without having all kinds of unnecessary fights. And, and the people, I think, appreciate that, at least in Florida. Well, I think they do. Um, it, didn't, it doesn't hurt to have comically inept opposition. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this because I think that we also have to recognize that it's like, it, and this is something that Democrats are going to run into. Okay. This is, this is actually a trap that Democrats are already falling into. And you see this, um, uh, the, um, you see this in, 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 in places like the Hill or, or, you know, not even necessarily in Democrat, you know, blogs or anything like that. They want to, they want to rearrange, uh, the um, the Biden administration to push Kamala Harris out, have Joe Biden appoint Gavin Newsom vice president, and then resign so that Gavin Newsom can run the White House for a couple of years leading into the 2024 election. Now, there's all sorts of different reason, reasons like, oh, I don't know, the U.S. Constitution. Why? <laughs> that, that isn't going to happen. But I mean, and part of this was, I think it was Doug McKinnon. You know who Doug McKinnon is, right? Doug McKinnon's been around for a while. He 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 was in the Reagan White House, I believe, and worked uh, with George H.W. Bush or something like that. So, you know, uh, on the you know political side. Um, he's the guy who suggested this, right? On the basis of, you know, Gavin Newsom just, you know, uh, won a, you know, a big election victory in California. Well, yeah. He's a Democrat. It's like saying Ron DeSantis just won a big election. Well, it's not even like that. It's like saying Greg Abbott won a big election victory in Texas, right? Um, he's the Republican. He's going to win big. Um, Especially like in Florida against uh, a long time has been uh, who yeah. hasn't won much. Right, exactly. So they're going to fall into that trap, right? Which is to say, oh, just because they're popular in a deep blue state must mean that they're popular across the board. It must mean that they're doing stuff right. That's not that's not how either party is going to get to victories. They have to look for people who are actually getting successes. And I think both parties are looking for shortcuts. I mean, that Doug McKinnon piece is just a shortcut. I mean, that was that's a laughable shortcut. I was I was. 
I was so amused by that that I actually yesterday or Sunday on Twitter spent too much time arguing about it with uh, with a couple of people who I normally like, uh, saying that this is just inordinately silly, and don't forget, <laughs> you know, don't forget that. Kamala Harris was elected to that position. Joe Biden can't just replace her. He can't fire her. <laughs> she's elected to that position. Um, she's not an appointee. And um, I think people, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of foolish scenarios that float around. But I think that also speaks to the fact that even though Democrats did better than they expected to in this midterm cycle, they're still very worried about 2024. And they should be. Well, And they should be. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, uh, if you want to get giveaways from the government, Biden's in a strong place. But if you look at the impact of all of that and his other stupidities and debacles, he's not in a strong place. Now, he says, you know, he's changed his tune a little bit. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, he once at the beginning, like all presidents, he said, well, of course, I'm going to run again. Now he's saying it's my intention to run. Uh, and, uh, that's a little bit different. It's a little bit, uh, more equivocal. And, uh, uh, he says, he says he wants to take a vacation near the end of the year, another vacation with Jill for at least a week to think about things. Uh, and I think others are going to be thinking about it and he doesn't want to be a lame duck, but they don't want to go into 2024 with him. Democrats have always, or not always, but in modern times, they have preferred senators uh, for their candidates, and yeah. Republicans have, have liked governors. Yep. Uh, and so we had, uh, what do we have? Uh, well, they, they had Clinton in 92, then we had Gore in 2000, and Kerry and Edwards, and then Obama, uh, and then Biden. Uh, so they they seem to lean towards towards senators and their vice presidents since the depression have come from Congress. So yeah. uh, they're kind of stuck in in that. The Republicans have picked governors who have more opportunity to visibly do things. Yeah. Uh, than senators do. Well, OK, so I mean, you say, well, they're, you know, Biden's talking about, you know, running again. And I, I actually think the Wall Street Journal sort of made this point a couple of days ago. I think it was on Friday. Um, Democrats might be stuck with Biden. I think if Democrats had gotten wiped out in the midterms the way everybody expected them to get wiped out in the midterms, if they'd lost, you know, if the Senate was at 53 or 54 seats, if, you know, Republicans had 240 seats in the House after the elections, I think that the Democrats would have gone to Joe Biden and say, okay, you're clearly dragging the party down. You really need to, you really need to withdraw from 2024 and, um, and help facilitate the leadership change, you know, in the next, in next primary cycle. Now, however, though, I think that they can't make that argument. In fact, I think that, you know, you had Nancy yeah. Pelosi giving Joe Biden credit for, the better than average performance and, and historically speaking you know if he only if he was a if he only lost six or seven seats or nine or ten seats which is looks like it's going to be the extent in, in the house i mean uh the extent of the losses in the house and didn't lose anything in the senate 
you know, historically speaking, in a midterm, that's pretty damn good for a first-term president. I mean, I hate yeah. to say it, but that's, historically speaking, pretty damn good. And look, I, I think if you have that sort of a track record, nobody's going to take that walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. They simply can't do it. And I don't yeah. think that they're going to be able to run a, a um, I don't think anybody's going to be able to run a credible challenge against him if he decides to run again. No, uh, what's unknown is, of course, his health. He's the by far the oldest person to be president. Um, yep. And the Democrats, uh, they're really old. You know, I mean, Donald Trump will be, if he runs again, he will be the same age running as Biden was when he was running, which isn't young, but it's not 82. Like Biden will be. Oh, he'll be seventy-eight in twenty twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he meant. That's the age that Biden ran, and um, Pelosi is turning eighty-two this winter. Uh, the other two Democrats in House leadership are also in their early eighties. Um, uh, Schumer, I think, is seventy-one or seventy-two. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is up there. Bernie Sanders, uh, he's ancient. Uh, so they're, they, I think they have a problem. The old timers have sat on top, and you can argue they've been successful at it uh, for too long. Uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, unhappy younger Democrats uh, who want who want a shot at the power. That's why Tim Ryan ran. Of course, he lost in Ohio, but uh, or not? Is it Ryan? Yeah. Um, he uh, remember he went up against Nancy Pelosi and lost. But right. uh, I, I, it's just they're familiar names, but they're old, and I'm not. You know, uh, Ron DeSantis, not to push him, but he's 44, so. Uh, that's kind of fresh. I think he's that's only four years older than John Kennedy was. And there was a sense of fresh, young excitement involved with uh, with Kennedy. Yeah. And, you know, DeSantis, I'm not going to compare him to Kennedy. They're really two very different kinds of political personalities, but similar in age, similar in military service. Both of them were I think both of them were Navy officers, in fact, Um uh, if I remember correctly, uh, DeSantis was Navy, and so was uh, obviously so was JFK. Um, but you know, DeSantis is more of a bootstraps guy, whereas Kennedy was the, you know, the scion of a wealthy family, right? right. You know, and so which was already building a, a political dynasty at the time. Um, but you know, I I, I think that. I think that the presidential cycle in the next two years is going to be pretty interesting based on what happened in these midterms. And this is the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about, which is who actually lost, you know, which candidates actually lost. And honestly, you know, I know that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to debate this, but it really does seem that the candidate, the Republican candidates who lost were mainly candidates that were focused on the 2020 election either in the primaries, the general election, or both, rather than looking forward. And I think it gets back to a very basic point, which is that voters don't really like to relitigate past elections. Um, They really don't like to relitigate past uh, elections when it comes to voting in in the next election. They want to look forward. 
And especially, especially when they have such an array of contemporary problems to confront. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you have like in Arizona, you had Carrie Lake and uh, Blake Masters, both of whom were big time, you know, stop the steal people who, who got their party's nomination because of Donald Trump, um, who underperformed, you know, the Republican who ran for, I believe it was treasurer, uh, outperformed both of them and is, and is winning her race. If she has, if it hasn't already been declared as we're, as we're recording this, it's, it's about to be, um, you, in Nevada, you had, uh, you know, Joe Lombardo, who was a, you know, pretty much straightforward GOP guy, um, uh, running with Adam Laxalt in the Senate position, Laxalt being a Trump, uh, protege as well as, as, and also a guy who was pretty vocal about the 2020 election, at least until the general election started. And he narrowly lost a seat that really should have flipped. I mean, Catherine Cortez Masto was the most endangered Democrat Republic or Democrat yep. incumbent. Yeah. You and I both thought, oh, well, that one's in the bag. And Lombardo won. Um, you know, Laxalt didn't, despite the fact that Laxalt actually has a big family name in Nevada. I mean, Laxalt, oh, the name yeah. Laxalt carries some weight in Nevada, and it didn't carry him across the finish line here. So, I mean, I think that, you know, people are going to say, well, Donald Trump has got the minus touch, the, the candidates that he, you know, seriously no, backed. Not didn't. anymore. No, I mean, minus, M-I-N-U-S. Uh, oh. it's, an old it's an old joke from my from my clothing sales, from my brief clothing sales career. We used to say, uh, I used to say, we used to lament that we had the minus touch, you know, rather than the Midas touch. <laughs> it meant that everything we touched turned to, uh, uh, well, manure, Salt. basically. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. That wasn't how we put it, but uh, everything we touched turned to manure rather than gold. And, and I don't think it's necessarily the fact that Donald Trump was the guy who was promoting him, but I think it's the fact that they were promoting Donald Trump's grievances. Voters really weren't interested in that. If if Donald Trump turns around and endorses a bunch of other people who are more forward-looking, I think that 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 his endorsement wouldn't hurt. In this case, I think, though, that the focus on candidates that were going to relitigate his, his 2020 election uh, claims um, really did hurt Republicans. Yeah, I think, uh, and I, as I said earlier, I I really appreciate much of what Trump did as president. Maybe not his behavior, uh, and that's the difference I think with DeSantis and and some of the others who've run. They don't have the extracurricular baggage that yeah. um, the people tired of. That's one of the reasons he lost in 2020. Uh, people were tired of the tumult. Now we still have tumult, uh, but I think the next two years with, but uh, well, I just I just can't imagine the Democrats will stick with Biden. I understand your argument, and it's a good one. Uh, but he's going to be even older. Every time he opens his mouth. Uh, there's a gaffe, uh, and people say, well, he's always been gaffe. He said, well, then why did you elect him? Well, the reason you elected him was you were voting against somebody else, and you didn't really examine the guy you were electing. Uh, yep. So I, I think there, sh there should be, there may not be yet, but buyer's remorse, and I don't think Americans are going to make that same mistake again if Republicans put up a fresh face. <laughs> yeah. I think that voters in both parties are looking for fresh faces at this point in time. Yeah. And, and I think if you, I think the party that misses that is the party that's going to end up throwing away an election cycle. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see. 
Uh, by the way, I, I know that at this point in time, we'd normally go to the jokes of the week, and we're going to if you've if you've managed to collect a few uh, during your travels and during your uh, break <laughs> time. I but got them. I, I got them. All right, I do want to point out, um, uh, uh, you know, a disturbing news story from today, which is that Jay Leno was injured in a um, garage fire, a gasoline fire. You know, he's a huge car guy, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. he even had a show about his cars. He's got a huge collection of cars. And apparently there was a gasoline fire in his garage and he got seriously burned. So he's in the Dude. hospital as of, and this is a, as of Monday afternoon while we're recording this. So, you know, uh, since we've quoted him often enough in these segments, I mean, I just want to send out prayers and, and well, oh, yeah, yeah. For a quick yeah he's a good guy. You know, I worked with him. Uh, I got my, uh, my, my Montana governor. Years ago, I got him on Jay Leno's show to, to fight back against all the Montana crazy jokes that he was making. And he was he was really good to work with. Uh, I have to say, he's a very, uh, very nice guy. Yeah. And he come, I mean, he just seems that way. And I think by all by all accounts, I've never heard a yeah, there's stories about, you know, Johnny Carson. Right. There's stories about yeah. David Letterman. Um, you don't hear those stories about Jay Leno. Jay Leno is just, you know, well, you know uh, when, um, when he announced, see, he was, uh, he was leaving. Uh, he, uh, uh, or they were, NBC was cutting staff, I think. So Leno put a, a whole bunch of his salary, of course, he's rich anyway, but a whole bunch of his salary towards his staff to get them, to, to keep them, uh, good on the salary yeah. wise uh so yeah it's he seems like a like a pretty good guy i think so as well all right andrew that does bring us to the jokes of the week lay them on us brother well we got we got a couple of leno ones here um uh, these are old ones now he said in colorado breckenridge voters approved legalizing marijuana Pot smoking and skiing, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, Elena also said, a Kansas nutritionist ate only Oreos, Twinkies, and Little Debbie cakes, sugared cereals, and donuts for two months and lost 27 pounds, mostly because of his diabetic coma. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that that, that doesn't, doesn't, yeah. doesn't sound good but okay yeah um let's see uh, uh, conan o'brien he says a new book claims that jesus had a wife and two kids in other words he suffered even more than we thought <laughs> 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 oh my well there you go <laughs> well that's the jokes of the week from andrew malcolm the prince of twitter the regent of redstate.com go over to redstate.com check that out but just go to at ah malcolm on the twitter is a-h-m-a-l-c-o-l-m is his twitter handle and andrew is here every single week except when one of us is gold bricking and uh, we're not going to do that for a while so he It'll be here every yeah. single week, therefore. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we'll see you next week and have our list of things we're thankful for. There you go. That sounds good. That's what we'll do. Andrew Malcolm, thanks so much for being with us today. You bet. Thanks, everybody. All right. Stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming right up.
This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The surprising outcome of the midterms has certainly disappointed Republicans and conservatives who saw the environment as ripe for a red wave. A number of hard lessons will have to be learned about the failures to capitalize, electorally, on historic levels of inflation, crime, and education. However, we should not lose sight of the fact that Republicans likely won control of the House of Representatives. That alone will arrest Joe Biden's progressive agenda. It will also restore accountability for an administration that had assumed imperial power. The Rolling Stones said it best, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. America needed a check on Biden, and Republicans did well enough to win one. If the GOP learns the hard lessons of this midterm, they can apply them for an even more critical presidential election in two years. I'm Ed Morrissey. Thanks for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. I just want to drop you a note to remind you that we are still going into 2024 with guns blazing, if you will, and with all sorts of momentum uh, going towards Republicans, even after a disappointing midterm cycle, there is plenty of reason to be hopeful about what's coming up in 2024. There is also plenty of reason to worry about the impact that big tech and government agencies like DHS are going to have on the political debate, especially on big social media platforms. That's why it is still more important than ever to support uh, Hot Air and our other town hall properties by becoming a VIP or a VIP Gold member. Now, being a VIP member or VIP Gold member <clears throat> means that you can comment on the posts and the comment sections are getting very lively. Great comment sections. We're really getting a good commentary out there in the, in the com boxes. But you also get exclusive content such as Dwayne Patterson's twice-weekly columns, Tom Jackson's twice-weekly columns from Florida, which is going to be a key uh, battleground in 2024 and a key indicator, especially if Ron DeSantis does get into the race, as we expect, of where the Republican Party is going to go. We've got... The Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin and I, twice weekly, two episodes a week, uh, our video presentation exclusive for VIP members. Plus, we have the VIP Gold Chat with Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. It's the most fun hour of the week. And I can tell you that both Cam and I will uh, every single time make that claim. The most fun hour of the week. And our VIP Gold members get a chance to participate in it by putting in their comments and questions. And we respond directly to those. In fact, that's the entire reason for having that one hour chat on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, if you're a VIP or VIP Gold member, you can uh, you can be part of that. And you can use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, SAVEAMERICA, and get a 25% discount off of VIP and VIP Gold membership. So be sure to do that. Thanks for your time. Thanks for watching The Ed Morrissey Show.